And welcome into Mustache Drinking Podcast. Andrew and Quinn here as usual on this Thursday morning. Thirsty Thursday as usual. I just want to apologize for last episode again. That was some awful recording done by Anchor, unfortunately. Just the system wasn't working or the Wi-Fi wasn't working or something because... (laughs) Man, did we sound weird when it would be when I would an- when I would be answering Quinn's answer or responding to Quinn's answer before he'd even said the answer. You mean you're not? A telepath? <laughs> I'm, I'm Quinn. I'm not a telepath. I didn't know you were going to say that. <laughs> I wish I was. That'd be kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> or are you a telepath? But. You're just pretending not to be, so I don't know. You're reading my ah, mind. Ah, so moving on, and <laughs> anchor, you're outing me. God damn it, <laughs> Quinn. We're doing Canadian whiskey this episode. This is a fun one because my first whiskey I tried was Crown Royal regular. Uh, love the taste in a Diet Coke. Crown Diet is one of my is very near and dear to my heart. And uh, it's exactly what's in my glass today, but you're trying something different. I am. So I just got married this last weekend, and one of my very good friends gave me a bottle of uh, Crooked Water Mini Apple, Apple Brandy, uh, which is finished in a bourbon barrel, a first-run bourbon barrel, a first-run port barrel, and then a French oak barrel. Um, it's 86 proof. Uh, it's an award-winning brandy from Minneapolis, Minnesota, hence the name Minneapolis. Uh, cool fact about it, it's a woman-owned distillery, which is still pretty rare in the distillery business to have a female-owned, uh, distillery. So that's pretty cool. And they make a really good product. This is, so it, it has a very definite whiskey flavor to it when you drink it the nose on it is certainly brandy um it's not overly sweet it's made with honey crisp apples uh which if you're from minnesota you shout out to the u of m for inventing those apples mm-hmm. along with like 90 percent of the apples on the market today mm-hmm. i didn't know that that's cool um yeah, uh, the U of M helps to engineer uh, lots of new apples based off of climates. That's why we have so many in this state that can grow so late into hmm. the year. That's awesome. So I'll say right away, I'm drinking it on the rocks. It's smooth. Um, I'm trying to pin down exactly what that end flavor is. Um, I definitely get a little bit of alcohol taste off of it. It's not like the smoothest thing on earth. Um, I'd say it's a little bit drier than your average brandy. And it has a definite bourbon taste to start off. I think it's pretty much, it's like drinking an apple bourbon. Um, if it acquired that apple flavor through just wholly natural means, this is pretty good. I mean, I would like to try this in like a brandy Coke or a brandy soda, or even in a perfect brandy Manhattan. That would be really good. 
Uh, what what are you drinking this week, Andrew? Well, like I mentioned, we got a crown and diet in here, but you know, I, I looked in our cabinet as usual, and I was like, oh, my roommate just bought a bottle of Crown Royal Reserve, and I was like, damn, that looks really good. But I could crack into that baby, and I took off the top. I opened the top of the box, and she was still sealed. So I was like, eh, better not. <laughs> Maybe open that while uh i'm not drinking with said roommate so i picked up the crown vanilla sitting next to it which is still a good choice and i grabbed some of my flat diet coke that i had in the fridge uh from work last night and um i mixed that combo Uh, i didn't measure anything i just put like a little splash or two in there and uh no ice drink was already cold so um, I've taken a couple of sips. It's not, it's not bad. It's pretty good actually. Obviously, it'd be better if the Diet Coke was not a day old. Um, so I don't know why I like the the caramel in a in a crown mixing with the caramel in a Diet Coke just tastes so good to me. Yeah, that Coke gives it that little bit of bite at the end that the Crown just doesn't really have since by itself it it's almost taste and then disappear. There's no real like link yeah, to it. And it sits on your tongue in that Diet Coke syrup and I don't know how it's a caramel, it's that just true Crown flavor that just sits in your mouth. And I'm just a really big fan of that flavor. And the vanilla twist to it is a little interesting. It's not prominent in this mix. It's just kind of like a back thought. Like, oh, it's got a little bit of vanilla into it, too. And uh, um, I almost like that because I know there's lots of flavor drinks that are very lead with their flavor and finish with. um, Very lead with the flavor added and finish with the flavor of the actual, actual liquor that you're drinking. So this one kind of fades back the vanilla and you can just go, oh, there's a hint of vanilla. It's kind of nice. Yeah. When I think of Crown Royal, I think of, honestly, when I first had it, I didn't know it was whiskey, which I feel like most people are a little surprised when they find out that Crown Royal is actually whiskey. You'd be surprised how many people say, no, I'm not a whiskey drinker. And then you ask, well, what, what hard alcohol do you drink? You say you go to a bar. Oh, I, I get a Crown and Coke. <laughs> Crown's whiskey, you know. What? Really? It's the preferred whiskey for non What do they think drinkers. it is? I mean, I thought it was a brand at really? first just because of kind of its syrupy nature and how it kind of vanishes at the end. Just with how smooth Interesting. it is. Aren't brandy supposed to be sweet, though? Brandies can be sweet. Okay. They're not always. Okay. Yeah. It- uh, for instance, the brandy I was drinking today, I would say is less sweet than oh. Crown Royal. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know that. I just, I guess I knew it was a whiskey before I tried it. I got to look at the bottle. Um, so I guess my first impression of whiskey really was Crown. So that might explain a little bit kind of my drinking tendencies and likes because that definitely that was definitely my first introduction to whiskey so i think i definitely thought 
that most whiskey was like that until I got into it more. And uh, I still like the taste of whiskey. And you found out how strong the flavors in some yeah, whiskeys are. Where Crown is 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 a strong, is a light flavor overall, but a tasty one, I would say. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The Apple Crown Royal oh, is your it's favorite. So good. It's it's so good. Yeah, of of them so far, I do really enjoy the Apple Crown. Yeah. I've tried the apple on your recommendation, and I did really like it. It was probably a little sweet. It reminded me yep. of Jolly Ranchers, <laughs> um, which I don't say out of any disdain for Crown Royal. Um, it, it was good, and I can imagine it would be great mixed Sprite. with like a Sprite or some other lemon lime um, drink, or even a grapefruit one oh. like a Squirt yeah. or a Fresca. Um, and do you know what makes Canadian whiskey in general unique? <sighs> I'll give you a clue. It's in their distilling process. Their distilling process is so basic, isn't it? Well, so the thing that sets it aside in the distilling process is so normally you go through your first distill, you get your liquid that's remaining your alcohol that's left let's say it's 80 percent now normally you would distill that 80 percent volume again however in canadian whiskey speaking broadly because canadian whiskey is unique in there are things that don't except for when they aren't okay um they add back in the same volume of water that has evaporated away and then go through the distillation process a second time Interesting. I think this helps to create the really smooth taste that you get from Canadian whiskeys in general, how they almost disappear um, at the end. However, again, I'm speaking broadly because in the U.S., um, unlike Scotch and Irish whiskeys, where you can find really unique and like smaller distillery ones in the U.S. because there's a larger sure. market for it. Uh, the Canadian whiskeys that make it to the U.S. are generally just the big name ones coming out of Seagram's or out of Crown Royal. Um, so basically, you can think of it as in the U.S., our exposure to Canadian whiskey is as if the only Irish whiskey we got to try was Jameson and Dewar's or the only Scotch we got to try was Johnny Walker. In and just the basic Interesting. So you, you can imagine how if those were the only two Irish whiskeys you ever tried, you'd have a very distinct thought of what an Irish whiskey yes. is. Um, not, not to talk down about either of those. I expressed my undying love for doers last week. Um, but it, it doesn't have some of the same nuances and complexities that you'll find in some of the more artisan styles. Um, so broadly what, we know as Canadian whiskey flavor profiles as being a little bit more syrupy. Um, often they remind me a little bit of maple syrup in just like how s not sweet necessarily, like overly sweet that Crown Royal is, but has that thick caramely syrupy flavor to it. Um, and I think of that a lot of times whenever I try a Canadian whiskey is a, 
like an innate syrupiness to it. Well, you know, like I said, my introduction to whiskey was Crown. And when it was probably you, when the first person I met who told me that Crown was Canadian whiskey, I was shocked because I had sampled other Canadian whiskeys, you know, like Canada Club and um, Windsor. And they have such a different taste to them than Crown does. Because and I can't describe. I think it's the smoothness of Crown compared to its kind of lower level Canadian whiskeys that we get mass produced Canadian whiskeys that we get here in the U.S. The difference in right. in just that bite and that burn from it and the harshness of the flavor compared to the smooth mellowness of the Crown Royal is so drastic in my mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. And with that, we can move into a little bit of the history of Canadian whiskey. Um, can I uh, tell you a little bit of history about Crown Royal? Sure. In particular, why is it called I have Crown no Royal? idea, so yes. So Crown Royal is a Jewish-owned distillery, and they got their name when King George the Sixth, the same king who's... Um, if you've ever seen the King's Speech, that movie revolves around him um, during uh, World War II. And when he came to Canada as the first monarch, monarch to ever visit Canada, um, he went to this small town in Manitoba, which is... Uh, Central Canada. It's actually kind of due north from where we are in the U.S. Uh, he went to Gimli, which is uh, in Norse mythology, the home of the gods. And tried this whiskey that was being made there and loved it. Um, and in honor of King George, they named it Crown Royal since it was his preferred Canadian whiskey. And I like to believe that the reason it's sold in those beautiful velvet bags is because someone, when he visited, quickly sewed up a bag for him to put that whiskey in um, to take it home with him. Now, I, I don't know that for sure. didn't find it in my research, but I would like to believe that. Um, but honestly, it's hard to imagine Crown Royal without also thinking about the bag. The bag is a, such a cool... It's such a cool piece to buying a bottle of Crown, right? 100%. I mean, my family still has a Crown Royal bag that my great-grandfather saved to put things in. Jesus. How? How does these things not get destroyed? That's insane. Well, my family is really good at taking care of family heirlooms. Like, we... We have a lot of things, and I have a lot of things that are from my great-grandparents or my grandparents. I actually have my great-grandfather's hatchet in the garage and my grandfather's axe. Wow. That's insane. In condition to be looked at is insane. Oh, yeah. Amazingly sharp. I've had to replace the handle on the axe, but the, the hatchet handle is wow. perfect. Wow. And... And they've seen a lot of use. <laughs> Not even just from from before. You guys have probably used it too. It looks. It sounds like. 
Oh yeah, I spent my summers chopping wood up at my uh, family's cabin With, uh, during the summer. Ancient axe that sometimes would fall apart when it needed a new handle. <laughs> it never really fell apart. It just got to the point where we were worried that I was going to throw the axe head at the traffic. <laughs> would that have been such a bad thing? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's a sharp axe head. And looking around the internet, the history of Canadian whiskey is uh, is different. It's not um, it's not quite the same as what we've seen so far, but Canadians spell whiskey without an E, but with an H. Uh, for decades, has been the best-selling whiskey in the U.S. and tends to be light-bodied in its style, like we were just talking about. Uh, 1875, the government regulation specified that Canadian whiskey must be made from cereal grains in Canada using continuous distillation. Was that what you were talking about when you do it twice? I believe so. And the other rules... However, again, now looking at Canadian whiskey, they... Uh... They don't really pay too much attention to the rules. If it has to be, <laughs> yeah. There, there's oh, a lot of wiggle room. Okay. It's very vague, is what I. From what I'm. It's done except it's, for when it isn't. It's kind of like English with oh, grammatical God. errors. It works this way, except and it doesn't for when a lot. <laughs> right. Um. Some other rules that they obviously don't follow is also that Canadian whiskey must be aged a minimum of three years and a maximum of eighteen in charred oak barrels. In somewhere along the process, that doesn't mean the whole time has to be it, or oh, just part of the time at the minimum. Uh, it is produced in a wide range of grains. Corn is by far the most used, while rye contributes the most contributes the most flavor. A short jump into the history john molson do you know who john molson is quinn no it's the original creator of uh, molson beer it's the founder could you tell me what you don't molson know what molson beer, beer, is? beer is oh boy i can't we say live so I do. close to canada how can you oh boy molson canadian it's because I I love Grain Belt. Hashtag Grain Belt, not a sponsor. Please Molson sponsor. Molson Canadian beer. It's a 5% lager brewed in uh, Canada, introduced in 1959. Uh, that was like their newer one. Except in Ireland where it's 4%. That's weird. And um, yeah, Molson Coors is the company now. They're uh, one company with Coors, it looks like. Yeah, Molson's a huge beer brand oh. in Canada. I can't believe you've never heard of that before. Oh, maybe I've heard of specific beers that they make, but I've never heard of just straight up Molson. Molson beer. Yeah. Oh, my God. This brings me to a point that I did not think I was going to be at. Molson. Yeah, Molson Ultra. Shout out to our Canadian listeners. Uh, if you really want me to try some Molson beer, um, either send it to us. Uh, reach out and we'll we'll give you an, an address that you can ship to or try and find where in the U.S., specifically Minnesota, specifically greater Minnesota or uh, the Twin Cities. I'm sure I can go to the store it. and get a, ca get a case of Molson Light or something. I don't think okay. it's that. I mean, I think it's exported to the U.S. I don't know. I've just never seen hmm. it when I'm looking at beers and I... I spend a decent amount of time. I wonder, time looking if, I wonder if I aisle. usually see it at like country bars. Where have I seen this before? I've definitely been at bars where they've had it. Now I want to know because, well, whatever. 
do you only see it at I've hockey seen games it at hockey games. I know that for a fact, but that's not that's not the only place I've seen it. <laughs> oh God, that would be really funny. You've also seen that it would cross be really matches. Funny. Shout out to two sports, very popular oh, God. in Canada. Quinn, stop pandering to our audience. <laughs> Never. So, John. And especially. Oh, my God. So John, sorry for pandering. To we, we do love you. We, we, we do. We're very close. So Take much. us. Just cut us out of the U.S. Never mind. So, is credited with introducing whiskey to Canada in 1979. His lead, fo- lead was followed by Scottish immigrants who found their new home had plentiful and cheap grain to make this whiskey. Whiskey production started at Kingston on Lake Ontario and spread as farming developed. However, barley was not common, so they reduced the amount of barley and added corn, wheat, and rye instead. Canada, Canada's Canada, Canada's first legal distillery was founded in 1832. Now we're going to find out how it is made Blending is one of the keys to Canadian whiskey. Most of most Canadian whiskeys are blended. It's produced from a wide range of grains. Corn is by far the most important, and rye has the most flavor added to it. As a rule, the I've heard that almost all contain rye at some and level for flavor. Canadian whiskey and rye whiskey in Canada are interchangeable. They mean the same thing to Canadians. So that's interesting as well because they just think all whiskey is rye whiskey or most Canadian whiskeys are made with rye like you just said so it's a huge flavor component for them and um, the more it says the more spice you smell in Canadian whiskey the more rye is in its blend so you can smell that rye Uh, the mash bill is dependent on the particular brand of whiskey will ultimately form part of it says these mash bills are closely kept commercial secrets. Oh, so people can't know. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so we can't know the exact ratio of because rye to corn we'd, to wheat that's found in specific crown royals or, or other ones. We'd be able to make their thing. whiskey in theory then, right? Right. In In theory, we could. Though, wherever they source their barrels from uh, and how long and in what types of barrels they store it since crown Royal will store in anything from bourbon barrels to sherry barrels um, and just everything in between it says the length of distillation and type of continuous still used also varies according to a particular band style. Similarly, the type of barrels used for aging varies greatly from new charred casks to those formerly used for aging bourbon, sherry port, rum or whiskey like you just said Uh, it is usually aged and blended and then aged for a further period after blending so the fun the very important thing about canadian whiskey is they will typically separately make three or four whiskeys age them on their own and then blend them together to make a canadian blended whiskey and then they will put it in another cask to blend to to give it more aging time. Right, to let those blended flavors meld. So yeah, that is one of the big things about Canadian whiskey. It also started uh with not started, it got gained popularity early on 
uh, from fur traders trading with Native Americans and Native Canadians. They called it fire water. And one recipe found, Quinn, listen to this. One recipe found said 26 ounces of whiskey, one pound of chewing tobacco, one bottle of ginger. It has no size, so we assume it's going to be eight ounces, a handful of red pepper, a whole quart of molasses, and a dash of red ink. Okay. That sounds insane. What do you mean, okay? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know much about the the economy of that period and what things traded for. Though I, I will say interesting measurements, especially with the handful of peppercorns. Just weird. Weird. But yeah, that's basically Canadian whiskey. And you said there's not a lot of uh not a lot of lockdown on how it's made. <laughs> right. It's done the way it's done, except for when it isn't. The The same motto I have with Apple. It's easier, yeah, except for exactly. when it isn't. And if you look at each section of Canada, they kind of vary a little bit in how they are made. Uh, you talk about Alberta to Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, you know, there's different distilleries. Talk about Montreal. The old Montreal distillery was established in 29 as the Spirit and Wine Distillery. It was acquired by Swarzak in 2011, modernized in 2018, and it now produces Swarzak, brand, Swarzak brands. And they, they make Caribou Crossing, which is going to be a part of the later part of this episode when we talk about Canadian whiskeys. But Caribou Crossing is, like you said, not something that's made it to this part of the U.S. yet. Right. Um, just because, you know, Canadians, they're, they're so very nice, but they're, they're not nice enough to share the good whiskey with us. <laughs> but they'll give us shitty whiskey. <laughs> and good whiskey. I mean, if we're... If, if no, we're no, no, Crown no, Royal is shitty no, whiskey, no, 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 I, I, I'm just saying, hey, that that's that is a a high bar no, for no, Canadian no, whiskey. No, then, no, no, if no, Crown no, Royal no, no. is the shitty one, I didn't want to see you. You made me say that on, on you made me say it. Okay, you knew that was Fair the enough. answer, and you made me say it. <laughs> yeah, but can we just pretend that that's. <laughs> That's not oh, a Canadian whiskey. But it is. Canadian whiskey. Oh, God, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it Did is. you know, did oh, you know, Quinn, that uh, Seagram's is Canadian? Now, yes, I that do. makes me wonder about Seagram 7, because if I'm not mistaken, it says on it, American whiskey. Well, it might be made like in a bourbon style. So, because to my understanding in, Can in Canada, when you say American whiskey, you're referring hmm. to a bourbon. Granted, there's variations with like a Tennessee whiskey and other whiskeys made in the U.S., but American whiskey is, is a bourbon. So I'd assume that that's their essentially a, a bourbon style whiskey. Interesting. Did you know uh, last year, I believe it was Seagram's, had a distilling issue where they had to recall, I think it was 100,000 cases of gin 
because instead of making them 40%, they accidentally made them 80%. Oh, shit. And released it onto the market. What? Yep. Apparently, they um, back sweeten or water down after the distillation process um, to reduce the alcohol level. However, in this batch, that didn't happen. So they had to put out a massive announcement and recall tons of cases. <laughs> uh, which I'm certain there are people who have hoarded this just to have the ultra. Oh, uh, yeah. I would try that. Hell yeah. They should just release that as a whiskey. Holy shit. 160 proof Seagrams. That'd be awesome. I believe it was Seagram's. I, I can't be certain. It was probably about a year ago that I heard about this story. But can you imagine going, buying a bottle that you think is uh, 40%, you pour yourself a gin and tonic, and surprise, that motherfucker <laughs> is 80%. This is tasting a little strong today. I wonder what I did. <laughs> I only put a double shot in here. Why am I falling over? Oh, my God. Seagram's also owns Crown Royal, apparently. Yes, they do. Uh, they were actually part of the genesis of Crown Royal. Um, the family that founded it received some assistance from Seagram's. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Here's another fact about Crown Royal. They use 100,000 bushels of rye, corn, and barley daily. Holy shit. I mean, think of how much Crown Royal Yeah, it's drink. so good. I mean, it's, it's the whiskey. The whiskey is stored in 1.5 million barrels located in 50 warehouses across five acres of land. And then is bottled and blended in Ontario. Holy shit. Whew. That's just a oh little bit of liquid gold. They've actually pushed out a couple new whiskeys very recently. For a long time, they just had Crown Royal. And then it looks like in 92, they introduced their secondary and that came in 1992. Oh, it's called Crown Royal Reserve. It's aged for a longer period than the original. And then you have XR in 2006. And then we go to 2010 Crown Royal Black. You had that before. It's pretty good. Oh, it's Black is not. pretty good. One of my roommates has bought that a couple times since I've known him. I've only had your... Purple bag, normal Crown Royal, Crown Royal Maple. Ah, the maple, the breakfast that makes you smell like breakfast. Yeah, the one that makes you smell like (laughs) pancakes for a week. And then they have XO, which is extra old, 2014. 15, they released a natural harvest rye. And then they also released a hand-selected barrel, which is just a single barrel rye. And we had the 75th anniversary in 2014, apple in 2014, vanilla, salted caramel, it does not say, Texas mesquite in 2018, and peach in 2019. What the heck? I'm sorry, (laughs) Texas mesquite does not sound appetizing for... 
when I think of a smoky whiskey, I don't think mm, skeet. I mean, I would love to use that in a barbecue sauce. I think that would be really good flavor. But I don't. Oh my god! Uh, if 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 one of our listeners has tried this, let us know how it is. I'm very skeptical. Quinn. And I've I've been open about my dislike of peach flavored things, so I'm not even gonna try that. <laughs> oh crap. my god. Your crown royal apple is discontinued. Or maple. Oh. Maple. Crown royal discontinued. Maple is dis- that is what? so sad to me. Not because I wanted that bottle at my bar, but because I think that that bottle of whiskey has so much potential yeah. in the pastry world and in the candy making world and in just desserts in general. I I think so much could have been done with that. And it's a shame that that's not a possibility. That must anymore. have been a limited edition. That's so sad because they've, the discontinued ones are Crown Royal, Crown Royal Honey that sounds could be good. Crown Royal Maple Ooh. also sounds like it would be good. And uh, cask number 16. It was from over 50 blended and individually aged whiskeys in 12-year cognac bottle barrels. So they've discontinued the three that sound. God, like that sounds like it'd be good. It was discontinued. It was only made for five years from 17 to 2012. <sighs> <laughs> you do me like this crown royal? And the last one like is this? an XR red, and that one is really nice. It's a very pretty bottle with a bunch of glasswork around the outside and a like decanter style top where it just sits in there. It might be a cork, but that is very cool. I love me a good cork. Oh, whiskey. that's interesting. It's from the legendary Waterloo Distillery, which doesn't ex- doesn't uh, bottle anymore. But I need to know what Texas Mesquite is before we move on to the next part of this, which is the twelve best. And it sounds Crown like Royal is not mistake. on that list for more than one for the twelve. So I need to know what Texas Mesquite is. <laughs> Need to make sure I'm of age to enter this website, even though that means very little. Texas Mesquite is a blend of Crown Royal Deluxe infused with a smoky soul of locally sourced (laughs) Texas Mesquite wood. The result is a unique flavor that is smoky and spicy with a distinctive smoothness of Crown Royal. It's got like a wood panel on the front and a USA like flag type around the top of the bottle. <laughs> what the hell? I get the feeling that that bottle is pandering. Oh my God. Where to buy. I, I think I might need to buy Quinn this as one of his wedding presents because I need him to drink it. <laughs> oh, my wife is going to be so upset. Cause she's going to have to hear me bitch about it. And she isn't going to care. Though a little fun fact for our listeners. um, My wife had an idea that 
instead of doing like a sand ceremony where you mix sands during your wedding or a lock one. Uh, instead, she wanted to mix two whiskeys together and start an infinity bottle, which we're going to try next year at a vow renewal ceremony. Uh, since this year with the plague and everything, we couldn't get our whole families together um, simply because we didn't want a day that's supposed to be a celebration to potentially end in, you know, regret ah, someone getting sick. It's on. Uh, so we, we took the safe route. It's on Total small. Wine. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh. It has 279.79 reviews, and it's a 4.5. Four point one rating Quinn. A regular bottle is nineteen ninety nine. It is uh, I'm pretty sure only sold in Texas. Oh, this makes me feel confirm, better. This is gonna be harder for you to get since I don't think you can confirm could get your address from Texas. No, that's check a lie. availability. Farther. Click confirm address. Let me see if I can order it. Thank you. God, you can't ship alcohol in Minnesota. Yes, I, I'll figure out a way. I can send it to Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> fuck. No one cares in Wisconsin. <laughs> Quinn, this leads us right into our uh, 12 best Canadian whiskeys on the market. So I'm going to read a couple of descriptions from this. This comes from liquor.com. And I'm assuming that it goes from number 12 all the way down to number one. Um, so first we have Lot 40 uh, Canadian Whiskey. And I just want to read part of the description on this because I think it's kind of funny. First, the little background. Historically, Canadians have referred to their whiskey as rye, even though rye is often used as a flavoring component uh, in what is otherwise a spirit made from corn, wheat, or barley. So it doesn't qualify in U.S. standards as a rye whiskey since it's not made from 51% rye. Second, much like the idea of paying for a doctor, a mash bill is also a foreign concept in Canada. Instead, each grain is typically mashed, fermented, and distilled and aged separately before being blended together and bottled, occasionally uh, through another round of aging, such as what Crown Royal does. That process actually allows the master distiller to blend a lot of latitude, uh, meaning that they have a lot of opportunity to uh, balance the flavors how they want it to be and to get a very distinct and cohesive product over time. Uh, so there's less chance that you're going to buy a bottle of Crown Royal from, say, batch number 200 that tastes really at all different from one that comes from batch 500. Uh, unlike Jameson, you might experience from year to year, the flavor will be a little bit different, not much at all, but you might notice some different flavors um, from different batches of other whiskeys because they're not mixed in the same method of distilling a single malt, um, barley, corn, wheat, um, or rye, and then blending to get the uh, wanted flavor. So this one is made in Windsor, Ontario, in Hiram Walker Distillery. It, is, it tastes of rye and baked bread. It's dry and peppery and a little bit punchy at a 43% ABV while still being very smooth and having a rich mouthfeel. So that would likely mean that there's a good amount of tannins in this 
which is how you acquire mouthfeel and that kind of thickness that you get in alcohols. And it was briefly discontinued in the hmm. 2000s. However, after it was revived and won the Canadian Whiskey of the Year prize. At number 11, we have Pike Creek. Uh, this is a mild whiskey. It's a small batch offering, so probably pretty hard for us to find here in the States. Though I do kind of recognize the bottle, so it might be available in places in Minnesota. Um, and where it's made shifts a lot in temperature, which I'm sure you can relate to in, in this kind yeah. of climate, Andrew. Uh, between hot and muggy summers and bone-chilling winters, uh, coincidentally, there's a lot of interplay between this whiskey and American oak barrel whiskeys. Um, since it's aged in oak beer barrels and finished with a last dip in port casks. Uh, it is a soft whiskey, which is fruity and gentle overall with hints of vanilla, cinnamon, and nut. Uh, it finishes often with a touch of red wine flavor, giving it a little bit of sweetness. I, I would definitely that try that. That sounds really good. Really good. Uh, next, we move to Masterson's 10-year-old straight rye. So I'm going to assume that this one is made directly from uh, rye and nothing else in its mash bill. Um, which looking here, that seems to be the case according to this site. Uh, it's abundantly complex and weighs in at 90 proof and doesn't give us much on the tasting notes other than on the nose, you get a whiff of coffee and dark chocolate, which as you taste becomes floral and then ending grassy. Um, let me give some latitude with grassy, I guess kind of grainy in flavor. Um, just because grassy isn't a flavor, I guess I'd nef necessarily like to think grassy of what sounds you, um, wrong. Wrong, yeah. Right. It, it sounds like something I want. I found it, Quinn. This bottle is really fucking expensive. It's $75 for a 0.75. Uh, but what it says, Masterson's 10-year rye whiskey, year yeah. And um, it says, boasting a complexity of scents and flavors, multi-layered aromas of grains, floral, and perfumes lead into an intricate palette of sweet vanilla pepper, and ginger spice. Perfumed finish is long and slow. Interesting. And the taste profile says rich toast, cereal grain, spice, and mild. So still doesn't give us too much. Uh, the next one we have is J.P. Weiser's 18-year-old Canadian whiskey. Uh, this is a traditional Canadian whiskey. Uh, later in color, rests in Canadian oak or Canadian whiskey barrels, uh, in which it takes on a lot of those characteristics, giving it a earthy, smoky, woody taste with rye to the nose, uh, which we've talked about. Canadian whiskeys predominantly use rye as a flavor. Um, there is some citrus to this one, and it says it finishes with a stringency on the tongue. <laughs> now that that doesn't sound good. And in this review, I feel like the taster didn't like it since the sentence reads, there's some citrus and astringency on the tongue, 
but all around it's very light, well balanced. <laughs> so I feel like they had to go, there's some negatives here. There are some things I don't like, particularly the rubbing alcohol aspect of it. But other than that, um, now I've never tried JP Weiser's 18 year old and I'm probably giving it more shit than it deserves, but I'm just saying the way that this review is written, uh, reading in between the lines, I think this reviewer went, it's, it, it, it's got good flavors, great nose, don't like the finish. <laughs> and this one is not, they're 18 years, the oldest one we've seen mostly on this list. I think it's probably the oldest one in at all. Uh, but 18 years, it seems like a long time for a Canadian whiskey. Right. That's, a, I think, the maximum amount that a Canadian whiskey is traditionally yeah. um, aged at, <laughs> except for when they aren't. God damn it. Um, next up, we have the Alberta Rye Dark Batch. Just looking at this one, it looks great. It has that like color you look for in a beautiful amber maple syrup. Um, and you can really tell that it's a rye whiskey with just that dark color. I tend to think of a rye whiskey as being a bit darker and more caramely in color than gold. Um, so this one, you get hints of fruit, rye spice, and a little bit of cola before it transforms into a deeply complex and smooth whiskey with a long peppery finish. At a 45% ABV, it's a solid alcohol punch, makes it great for sipping and powering through a whiskey-forward cocktail. Now, again, whoever is writing these ones, I feel like they're like just powering through. It doesn't make me feel like it's that enjoyable. But it's on this list of the twelve best, so I'm, I'm not. I can't say that it's not good. It, I feel like this person was just a little powering through a whiskey flavored cocktail. I think it's just too strong for him, and I don't know why. I I think it's that, that long pepper like finish. It might maybe. be good. I'm not gonna lie. Oh. As soon as I read long, peppery, sweet finish, that that is the flavor of yeah. a good rye whiskey. And like all these flavors that it's mentioning, mentioning I'm yeah. especially interested in that cola flavor. Um, I think that, that that would be really good in a rye whiskey. Um, I like a rye whiskey and Coke. I don't get them often, but... They're good, and I can definitely see how I would want a little bit of that cola flavor just naturally in my whiskey. Um, I think I would be very happy sipping this, um, and I don't know if I would have to power through it to drink it. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have to power through our next drink. Next, we have Canadian Club Chairman's Select 100% Rye. So we know the mash bill on this is... 100% rye. This is another Alberta distillers. It's a well-known Canadian club line, uh, but it's not the Canadian club you've come to know <laughs> and possibly not love. Terry Have you had Canadian club? Have you had it? Holy shit. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. 
Oh, oh, it's bad. I, like if I've we're talking that. about how bad Windsor is, oh, Canadian club is not. Oh, uh, they they continue on with there's nary a trace of the cloying caramel uh, thinness of its predecessor. Instead, this select comes through with a peppery flavor and a little heat on the way down. Sure, it's not as uniquely nuanced as most of these other small batch 100% uh, rise. However, at $27 a bottle, it's hard to go wrong with this one, especially uh, as a mixing companion. Alas, for now, it's only <laughs> available in Canada. You can tell. No, he does, he, just... He's got a problem with certain parts of it. <laughs> yeah. It's not <laughs> uniquely nuanced. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oof. I as we go farther down this list, it's like he just <laughs> gave up. Or she gave up. Oh with, like, no. Really selling it. Uh next up we have Lock Stock and Barrel 13-year-old rye. I've heard of this one, and I've heard mixed reviews. Um one thing about distilling and aging each grain individually means that Canada has a ton of 100% rye sitting around in oak for decades. In the past few years, a number of brands have smartly swooped in and bottled the pure stuff for those consumers who seek a generously rich peppery whiskey uh, in its most robust form, often at a higher proof than normal. New York Cooper Spirits bottle lock, stock, and barrel is incredibly forward 13-year-old rye sourced from Alberta distillers. It's rested in charred American and charred American oak barrels and bursts with the flavor of wood, cinnamon, vanilla, and a hint of banana. Another one with a big mouth feel, well-rounded profile, and it is complemented with a nuttiness and a bright, smooth finish. I love everything about this description <laughs> except for one word. I'll let you it's guess what banana. that is. Banana. What? Yeah, I. I don't well, think of wood and banana being great together. Now, cinnamon, say. vanilla, and banana, those yes. flavors work. They belong together. But wood. Banana. But charred wood. <laughs> Where did the hint of banana come uh, from? <laughs> what did they put in know. it to make it banana y? Oh, God, I'm dying. <laughs> That's. Oh. I was, I so wanted to try this, and I still do. But I, I don't I want can't. it to taste like banana. Now it's only a hint of banana, so hopefully I can't taste it. That would be ideal. I know, though, it's going to be the only thing I taste. <laughs> oh God! Uh, the next one, I definitely know. I've had once. Uh, this is Whistle Pig Straight Rye. It is a bold, spicy, oaky whiskey with clove, nutmeg, and warm vanilla, and a zing to the palate with a lingering finish. I've had this, and those flavor notes. I like that it's pretty on the money. It definitely had a sp like not a spicy spice to it, but like the spice of clove and nutmeg and a a warm vanilla finish, which I attributed to the alcohol, um, the warmth of it, because I wouldn't say it's the smoothest I've had, 
but it has. I like a that good it's flavor. made in Canada, but it's technically an American whiskey because it's bottled in Vermont. So this is this is like fifty percent Canadian, seventy five. There's also another Canadian whiskey out of Oregon uh, in the United States. Uh, however, they just buy and bottle Canadian whiskey that they then uh, sell under their own brand. I can't remember what brand it is, uh, but it's a 100% Canadian whiskey from US, made in Canada. Uh, next up, never heard of or seen this one before. This is 40 Creek Double Barrel Reserve Canadian Whiskey. Double Barrel seems to be a popular name in Canadian whiskeys. Um, John Hall's hugely successful Fort Creek brand was recently purchased okay. by Campari. Ooh, okay. I'm on board. I love me some Campari. But that hasn't changed how it makes its spirits. While the company offers a cheaper barrel select mark at the higher end, though still pretty darn affordable, Bottles are among, uh, are among Canada's absolute best. The Double Barrel Reserve, as its name suggests, that it gets a second barreling. Oh, so this would be the vertical stacks that they use for the distilling um, because Canadian whiskey uh, uses vertical distilling instead of the um, kind of bell-bottomed or the um, flask style. That's not the exact um, okay. word for it. I just can't remember it right now. Um, but wider on the base, narrower at the top, whereas these use a column, uh, which heats it differently through the distilling process, uh, less evenly, actually. Uh, it has notes of butterscotch, faint citrus, and a touch of coconut. Its taste is rich with lots of caramel, vanilla, and oak finish with a pleasantly peppery, sweet and dry balance it's full-bodied and delicious all the way through this sounds good this is for sale I want to in this. minnesota 50 bucks how much 50 bucks this not specific awful. one the barrel the double barrel select not the single barrel it's got a 90 on the whiskey advocate scale this yeah so far this is the first one i feel like no shade was thrown in and it I don't only know, got praise. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. I think I like his little bit of shit talking in this up in this article. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. You I like think it's writers, uh, a little bit of shade. Very good. Uh, I wish I wish he would have put shade on every single one. And maybe he tried, and this one didn't deserve it. I think that's how you feel. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Confederation Oak Reserve Canadian Whiskey. The Confederation Oak Reserve is rested in Canadian white oak that was planted sometime around Canada's Confederation in 1867, which would be how it got its name. Each component of rye, corn, and barley uh, in it in the first age, first age separately, and then rebarreled together. As we talk, generally they do it individually and then blend the flavors together. Gives it a mellow spice, a little bit of nuttiness, and a bit of fruit with a nice oaky note. And it all comes through delicately with a clean finish. So this sounds like it's a pretty same smooth company. one. Um, it's the same company. Kind of I don't know if you saw that right away. But it looks like one of their just older whiskeys from Forty Creeks. So this is probably just like 
the same family. So both of these are probably really good. I can't find uh, the Confederation Oak in the U.S. though. Hmm. Well, we will try that double barrel reserve because hot so diggity damn did that sound good. Uh, next up at number two, we have Crown Royal Single Barrel Whiskey. It's saying something when Canadian Club releases a 100% rye and Crown Royal puts out a cast strength single barrel at bottling. The big guys are paying attention to the desires of the high-end drinkers. Sadly, Crown Royal single barrel is only available at stores that agree to purchase a whole barrel. But hope springs eternal for a wider release. As it, too, is not your grandpa's Canadian whiskey. It is distinctly a Crown Royal spirit, but at 103 proof, the grassy, earthy, woody notes hum alongside the rye flavors. Oh, that sounds good, too. God damn. That does sound pretty good. I want to know what they mean by grassy, though I, I think I can sort of imagine it more grainy than it is <laughs> chewing on your lawn. <laughs> Your lawn? Gross. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, my God. Oh. And finally, at number one, we have Caribou Crossing Single Barrel Canadian Whiskey. It's a Sazerac company. Um, they actually produce 20 different kinds of Canadian whiskeys in their portfolio from varying degrees of quality. However, this one near the top is a single barrel that's sweet at first with flavors of toffee, vanilla, and citrus on the nose, uh, which then ends with a creamy and gentle pepper flavor. Want something simple? Sazerac's Royal Canadian Batch will do the trick for under $20 a bottle. Under so their number one here, I believe, is the second cheapest whiskey on the list. No, it is the cheapest whiskey on the list with Canadian Club Chairman's 100% Rye at $27 wow. a bottle. This sounds pretty good to me. It sounds like it, it is that kind of classic thought of Canadian whiskey of finishing real smooth with that creamy finish and a gentle pepperiness. Um, definitely from that rye forward flavor if we the caribou crossing is interesting i'd love to try that because i don't think we can get that in the states um but i want to take a step back to that crown royal bottle that we were just talking about uh they have a couple different ones they have a 16 year old rye that they have um on the market but specifically that one that we were just talking about uh it's sold as special reserve and a seven five is $40 and a 175 is 85. But I want to get the flavor notes from this because it looks really good. It's sold in Minnesota around me. Um, but it's got a rich amber, it's rich amber in color. It's crafted to be mellow, balanced, and complex with apple and a floral aromas complemented by oak tones and cinnamon and vanilla flavors. This one sounds unbelievably good unbelievably good and again it's sold as special reserve in the u.s what else is here for crown royal there's a, there was one other thing on this website that i want i like that it's sold in a 175 quinn would you expect that because i wouldn't 
Yeah. The single barrel special. So do you think? No, I wouldn't. Generally, when I think of something being sold in the one seven five, it's. You think it's actually end. Uh, that high quality? Then, if it's sold in a one seven five. I mean, it could be, but I'm going to say the precedent leans towards no. Just because I can't think of anything sold in a 175 that I would say is profoundly good. Now, there are some things sold in a 175 that I really like, True. like Kraken Black Rum. Though yeah. I'm never going to say it's the best black rum. It just holds a special place in my heart because um, at parties, we used to hide a bottle of Kraken. And the rule was, so New Year's Eve, people bring bottles of whiskey and everything. We drink through them. And then it was always my job to hide the bottle of Kraken somewhere in the cabin or the house, uh, wherever we're hosting it. And then whoever finishes it yells, release the Kraken. And there begins a scavenger hunt. Does the person who wins get to take home the bottle of Kraken? No, uh, the person who finds it gets to open the bottle of Kraken, <laughs> and then we get to drink. The oh bottle my of god, Kraken. Jesus! I mean, at that yeah, point, I was going to say not the whole bottle of Kraken. Um, but yeah, normally around midnight, just after the the ball drops, and we have our uh, traditional Irish car bombs or other drop shots at midnight, uh, we'll we'll release the Kraken. And a drunken scavenger hunt ensues. And oh my god. It is so much fun. I, I recommend if after this pandemic passes and you decide to get together with friends, you know, buy a bottle or however many is, you know, a not insane amount for you to drink with a group of friends and then do a scavenger hunt somewhere in the house. Um, again, don't hide this somewhere near breakable things. We generally set ground rules like it's on the main floor and it won't be hidden in uh, anything glass or delicate. Uh, however, one time we had someone who wanted to hide it in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> that That was quickly vetoed because... Drunk people wandering the woods at midnight Are you sure? <laughs> generally goes poorly to some degree. Generally. Generally. But sometimes. Sometimes. Generally. Not always. Uh, just make sure whoever hides the bottle <laughs> remembers where the bottle is hidden. Uh, that That was an issue we ran into, I believe, the second time we played this game. And I wasn't the one who hid the bottle. And whoever hit it didn't remember where they hid it. I think uh, my friend's parents oh. found it when they were moving out of that cabin <laughs> years later. It's like, why is there a bottle? Oh of my god! What? I I don't I don't I don't exactly know where it was, but it was just <laughs> why? Kind of okay, moving on. Jesus. Or if they didn't find it, it's definitely hidden somewhere in that cabin. So, new owners, if you if you find a bottle of Kraken uh, in a cabin in northern Minnesota, I I was likely part of the. <laughs> and we're gonna take a look at the there. six main rules for drinking Canadian whiskey. 
number one is going to be know the blend and love the blend. People have a tendency to look down on blended whiskey, which is all Canadian whiskey. Uh, but most, if not, except for when it isn't. Uh, Canadian whiskey relegations on the whole are designed to offer producers a great deal of flexibility, which is probably why they let them, you know, go back and forth. Uh, uh, It's said by one of the brewmasters there, all they have to do is be fermented, aged, and distilled in Canada, made with grain, 40% alcohol, in a wooden barrel of less than 700 liters for a minimum of three years. That's all they have to do before they can sell it on the market and they can do whatever they want beyond that, which is fascinating. So basically what they have to do yeah. is meet the benchmarks for whiskey in general, uh, age three years and made of grain, because if it isn't made of grain, <laughs> you've made brandy well, or maybe well, rum. If you that's, use sugar, that, those are the rules, instead. Quinn, you have to follow up. <laughs> I guess no agave. <laughs> Number two, appreciate a unique difference. Building further on the concept of blending and flexibility is a rule that of rule of that of ten gets lamp. Jesus, the writing here is gonna make me faint. Uh, gets lambasted because of its poorly understood, which says up to nine point oh nine percent of Canadian whiskey can consist of other spirit or wine. Um. You know, that's kind of interesting. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that almost contradicts its previous statement. It has to be made from grain, <laughs> except for when it contains wine. Uh, it's said that it's always done in historical. Uh, there's books there from some of the original brewmasters, and they were blending in prune wine and actually blending in rum in the 1880s. <laughs> And I guess it would bring the sweetness up, but that would be su- that's such an interesting concept and such a specific percentage of nine point oh nine. It's one in yeah. one eleventh of the nine? entire thing. So, very... yeah, <laughs> what one one eleventh. That's and such a fucking the brewmaster says. He said that it has to be a wine or a two-year-old spirit, but it could be brandy or tequila if you wanted it to be tequila. <laughs> so yeah, except it, for it has what? to be this, except for when. There is such a laissez-faire attitude for what Canadian whiskey is and what rules it follows. I, I feel like the rules and you'll are get the Canadian fuck over whiskey it. if we say it's Canadian whiskey. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god. It'll Number three is off. stop looking Sorry. at the bottom shelf that is speaking directly to at least ten of our listeners that listen to our show weekly. And that's about half of you. So just so you know, if there's a misconception that Canadian whiskey <laughs> belongs on the bottom shelf, that means the producers deserve some of the shame, not for making bad products, but for failing to but for failing to promote them properly. Uh, the brewmaster says he thinks he did it. They did it to themselves. They make a good quality spirit. And as Canadians, they are very apologetic by nature, very humble and have not gotten out there and told the world about the great quality and different styles and innovations that we can do. That quote. Right there. 
<laughs> quote We're right sorry there. for the shitty ones. Oh my god. Love it. <laughs> that is... I feel like that is <laughs> yeah, the encapsulation. Here, it's okay sometimes. Take it. If you don't like it, you can leave it on the shelf. Preferably the bottom. <laughs> if you don't like it, we're sorry. Oh my god. It was Jesus. Fault, not yours. <laughs> that, that is uh, just so polite. Oh god, I wish. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. And part of that might be that John Hall who bought 40 Creek that we just talked about uh, the brewmaster in the story says that uh, he's really, he really likes to see that how he, how John Hall has sold his business and they're bringing out a, f- a bunch of new, they just brought out a bunch of new whiskeys uh, in one of the re- most recent falls that lot 40, but in a cast strength 12 year, there's a 17 year old, there's a JP Weiser's 35 year old, and Pike Creek 21-year-old Speyside cask finish. So that 18-year rule only matters when until it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Also, I wanted to stop you real quick. You keep referring to them as brewmasters. I can't remember. What would you call them? Because generally the term used for um, is master distillers or with a um, blended whiskey um, if they don't do the distilling but simply are doing the blending you master. would be the master blender what? Uh, which I'm just picturing a <laughs> giant industrial blender and a brick being dropped in by saying master blender oh but, uh, master oh, blender blend? Canadian Walker edition. and Sons Livermore yeah, yeah. okay so he doesn't necessarily yeah. do the distilling of the individual spirits that he blends. He's just in charge of yes. the final product balance and flavor, uh, which honestly, a lot of respect to that job. You got to hit all the notes and to make something consistent that way, though we've mentioned how it can be easier. Um, still there's skill and there's, and number four, uh, he says you can put the mixers away if you want. I know Canadian whiskey is a great mixed, but you can drink it as is. Uh, Neats, he says there's definitely the quality there, uh, but they also have the adaptability and innovation to come in and go, you can drink it on, on ice or you can mix it with a Coke. Either way, it'll be great. I mean, thinking of a Crown Royal, Definitely. Um, like they're, they're non-whiskey drinkers who will order Crown Royal on the rocks um, because it is just that smooth. And it does mix so well into a Coke um, or other like pop. Personally, I prefer, I believe, Canadian whiskeys that I've had mixed to straight. Um, oh, that's not to say the I The last rule just stabs me right in the heart because it says... Go be oh second to last rule sorry it says go beyond the big boys Di- dive into those small distilleries damn it send it send it to us that you we'll can't drink it buy in the please. US. please <laughs> yes please. please 
Hashtag send Canada, not a sponsor. Please sponsor us. Entire nation. <laughs> Trudeau, I'm looking at you. Sponsor these us. These small whiskeys, I'd love to be able to try some of these. I would love it, but unfortunately, we cannot get them down here, and that really, really sucks. For shame, for shame. Wayne Gretzky oh, even shame. has a whiskey. Moving on. You can buy American to drink Canadian. Interesting. I want to read this one. You may already be drinking and loving Canadian whiskey without realizing it. That's because a number of American brands source the whiskey they end up blending and bottling from Canada's major distilleries such as Whistlepig, Lockstock, and Barrel. And Masterson's entirely or partially consists of Canadian whiskey. Who knew you? we talked about all three of these? that are we've talked about yeah. this before with startups of bourbon distillers yeah. how often and it says who knew you could stay patriotic while exploring our northern neighbors at the same time uh very interesting though all of those made our list of top canadian whiskeys as well all three of those very and I've only That's knowingly tried one of for them. For shame on us. That was the whistle pig. And uh, Quinn, Canadian whiskey can be mixed with anything. You can put it in your Manhattan. You can put it in your Old Fashioned. You can put it in just about anything you can think of. Diet Coke, personal favorite. Do you have any specific drinks that might come to mind that you would use Canadian whiskey for? Now, I would kind of ease away from using Canadian whiskey, at least what's available generally in the U S in something like a uh, old fashioned or any other cocktail that you're really looking for a bourbon. Um, but a crown and soda, just soda water. I know is one that's popular. Um, ginger ale, ginger beer. Um, I tend Honestly, when I mix a Canadian whiskey, I, I'm mixing it with pop um, of some sort, um, which maybe that's just me being rude to Canadian whiskey. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but that wasn't even supposed to be a joke. Oof. Poor Canadian whiskey. What was me? <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I guess I don't have any specific cocktails for Canadian whiskey. I, I dropped the ball. This I episode. looked up I didn't some. Look up any. For there wasn't it. Quinn. There wasn't many that they offered. Of and uh, you know that they. I mean me they they much you know better. there's uh, the obvious small ones or you can add something in a flavored Canadian whiskey like a maple. To your breakfast shot, a maple crown to your breakfast shot. If it wasn't discontinued, don't, don't and uh, um. Yeah, there's. It's basically just the, just the small one. It's basically just regular mixed drinks. Is you're gonna put Canadian whiskey into, and it's gonna taste really good. That's not short selling at all, Quinn. That it's gonna taste good in a mixer like that. Oh yeah, it. So honestly, that's why I prefer to mix them with a pop. Is I think it's the best whiskey for it because they are so naturally smooth and light on the finish and often have these sweet notes to them that that little bit of bite that you're going to get at the end of like a Coke or a Pepsi is so good with it. And that's why the crown and Coke is such oh, a staple so drink. Good. God, I wish crown wasn't sold as a 
top shelf kind of liquor at places that I've seen because. Right. I, I've always thought that was weird because it's good, but it isn't a top shelf one. I think that's just because of the prestige of the bag and the bottle. And that's someone who's going to a bar who isn't a whiskey drinker, even without knowing that it's whiskey, will see it and go, that's good. I like that. I'll buy it. And holy shit, the markup bars have oh, to make on Crown. It's so expensive. It I, I, I don't sell it that often. No, so it's very reasonably priced bottle. for how smooth and easy it is. Very reasonably priced. Well, yeah, Quinn, we're getting pretty close to the end here. Any last parting words for the Canadian whiskey fans out there? Stop hoarding the good Canadian whiskey, Canada. Send a little bit south of the border. You don't have to go far. Just Minnesota. Send it to little Canada, Minnesota. It's close enough. I will drive to Canada to get it. If you can start exporting some good, like small distillery, like innovative whiskeys and not just the big boys, which are fine. They taste good. We we've, we've talked about them. We, we have no real complaints, but I want to try something that's special. Share your special. And whiskey, with please. that, we'll just let you know, as we do every episode, if you think that you are starting to have a problem with drinking or any of your loved ones are starting to have a problem with drinking. There's the American Addiction Center on alcohol at americanaddictioncenters.org or alcohol.org. You can call now. They have 24-7 hotlines for you if you feel like you have a problem with drinking or anybody, like I said, anybody you know has a problem with drinking. It is not hard to make that call. Some people, excuse me, it could be hard to make that call, but it is the right decision if you think you need help, everybody needs help sometimes. And that number is going to be 866-752-4689. And once again, that number is going to be 866-752-4689. Uh, Quinn, thanks again. It's been a great episode as my co-host. I've been having a lot of fun and we're going to run right on with our whiskey series next week. Finishing, Quinn, isn't yeah, there like 25 more whiskeys? We got Japanese whiskey. I'm pretty sure there's like Swedish whiskey, Polish whiskey. Oh, I, I don't know if we can just do, <laughs> you know, a year-long blitz of whiskeys. We, we might have to make a two-parter. We'll do the big ones. And then I think I think Japanese whiskey might be the move next year. You talked about how this is on the rise. I can't. I don't think we can skip it. That's fair. So we'll we'll finish with Japanese whiskey next week. Um, Hopefully I can get my hands on some Yamazaki. Um, I know I've expressed I'm not the biggest fan in the world of it, but it is really good. Um, <laughs> though I don't like the price. If we can afford next week's episode, we'll do it. <laughs> but right. Yeah. If next week episode doesn't, uh, you know, put us in the poor house, um, but not, not the nice one that pours beer. <laughs> oh, Hashtag no one's a sponsor. Hashtag sponsor us. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to tune in every Thursday for Mustache, the drinking podcast. <laughs>